Ben was, uh, he said, I've learned, to, uh, I've learned how to enjoy the Lord when all the blessings are there and uh, everything is uh, full and going good, but he said, I've also learned how to enjoy the Lord when it ain't that way. Amen. And uh, so God knows what we need, and uh, I'm glad He does, because I sure don't. I think I do sometimes, but I find out sometimes that my ways are not His ways. My thoughts are not His thoughts. I do have some thoughts that's His thoughts, uh, but not all my thoughts are His thoughts. Uh, Amen. Uh, All right, let's open our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 11. Appreciate your presence here today. It's good numbers come out today to be in the uh, service, and we're glad that you're here today. And I know the Lord has something for you. And uh, if you listen, uh, God, uh, He'll give you something today uh, from His Word. And uh, Matthew uh, 11, verse 28, 29, and verse 30 this morning has been on my heart this week. And we kept going back to it and praying about it. And it was up early this morning praying about it. And uh, sometimes you got to get up early and pray to get ready to come to church. Because sometimes you ain't ready. Uh, but the best way I know of is to get along with God. Uh, amen. Talk to the Lord. These, of course, are the words of Jesus. A fellow asked me one time out on visitation. He said, Preacher, I want to ask you something. I said, All right. He said, does them red words have more power in them than black words? I said, no, it's all the Word of God. Uh, It's all the Word of God, man. Don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth uh, out of the mouth of God. And I'm glad we have every word this morning right there. Right there in your hand. You're holding it right now. It's in there. All right. Come unto me. All that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. Take my, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Amen. You can be seated. Father, thank you this morning Lord, for the Word of God. And uh, Lord, to those that, uh, Lord, that will seek, uh, seek it, God will open it up to us. And, uh, and it's food for our soul. And it's only spiritual food the Lord's give us is in the Bible. And, uh, and you said that we don't just live by the bread that we eat every day, but we live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We don't have time this morning to get into every word that's proceeded out of God's mouth. But we are interested in these three verses that proceeded out of God's mouth. And uh, Lord, I pray today for those that are struggling today that they might find help, Lord, in a time of need. And Lord, I pray for those that, Lord, are very dangerously living unsaved this close to the end of the age. And I pray the Lord would speak to their hearts and make them aware of that. Lord, I pray for your people if there's ever time we need to be faithful and steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's now because we know our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thank you for the good spirit of the Lord that's here today. And Lord, help me to be controlled by Him. And uh, Lord, we pray that God will do in this service today what the Lord would like to do 
And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, uh, normally when we look at these verses of Scripture here today, we think about the yoke, and I think it's so. I think that's what it is. We think about that yoke that we're all familiar with, like the oxen would wear. There is another kind of a yoke uh, that uh, these ladies would know about. The uh, people that do sewing, they know what it is. And that's that piece that goes around the shoulder uh, when they make a dress or something like that. Uh, even uh, maybe a better illustration would be uh, this is graduation time and people are uh, graduating from uh, levels of school. And if you're into high school graduation, you know they got these gowns they wear. And then there's a collar around that gown that's kind of separate from the outfit. And we would call that a yoke. And uh, one fellow said, uh, you know, everybody's got some school that they're leaning toward. Some are leaning to Hiles Anderson School. And uh, some are leading to Pensacola. And that's who they're yoked up with. But what the Lord's saying here is He's saying, yoke up with me. Uh, he's saying, let me be your school. Uh, go to school here. Let me teach you. Let me train you. Now Jesus gives a clarion call in these verses for personal discipleship that most of this age knows nothing about. Uh, you see, salvation is trusting Jesus. Salvation is trusting the Lord with your soul to take care of your sins. That's what salvation is. Discipleship is learning about Jesus, learning from Jesus, following Jesus. Uh, Ever saved person should be in the school of Christ. Ever saved person should be making a lifelong study of the life of Jesus Christ. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Uh, he said, Andrew Murray wrote a great book, uh, called uh, In School with Christ. And it's an old book. It's about prayer. I highly recommend uh, it, the reading of it, but it is a great book. But I want to look at this here this morning, and uh, I want to ask the question for my text today, what could we learn from Jesus? What could we learn from Jesus? Well, it'd take a series of sermons to get all the stuff we could learn from the Lord, and then we still wouldn't be able to grasp it all. But Jesus said, He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, He said. So in other words, if we're following the Lord, there's some things that He can learn us. Amen. And I think about this over in Luke 11. I think about that Scripture where the disciples came to Jesus. And the Bible said there in uh, Luke 11, uh, it said it came to pass, that is, he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so I read that verse and I'm thinking one of the first lessons that Jesus taught his disciples, one of the first things that he instructed them in, in in the way of learning them some things as he learned them about prayer. 
And I believe we can learn some things about prayer from Jesus. Amen. Uh, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think in our kind of a day, in our kind of an age, I think there's some folks that need to learn about prayer. Amen. And I believe that we've lived down to a time that if you're going to stay up on your feet, you've got to about live on your knees. Uh, amen. The uh, devil is uh, attacking like never before. Uh, amen. And many Christians are retreating like never before. Amen. Uh, but I want you to know that prayer is uh, one of the greatest things that Christ can learn you about uh, after you get saved. I'm talking about after you get saved, amen, is to learn how to pray. I don't know about you, but I literally, I could not make it without prayer. Uh, amen. I mean, there's too many enemies, there's too many burdens, there's too many weights, there's too many satanic attacks. Uh, I could not make it without prayer, amen. And I've been praying for 40 uh, 42 years I've been praying since I started walking with the Lord. Uh, uh, but one thing I've never done, I've never prayed enough. Uh, amen. Uh, nobody ever prays enough. Amen. But as a Christian, you need to learn to pray. Jesus, we can learn about prayer from Jesus. Uh, you say, how's that? Well, we can learn by His example personally. Jesus was a man of prayer. The Bible said he was praying. When we read about the life of Christ, we think about God's dear Son. And every time we look at him, he's always a praying. Amen. There was Jesus, the Son of God, but he needed prayer in his life. Surely if he needed prayer, you and I need prayer. The temperature of the church rises or falls as people are praying. If people's not praying very much, there's not much of God, not much of the presence of God, not much of the power of God, not much of the work of God, uh, uh, if people are not praying, amen. But when the church rises up in prayer, uh, uh, then God begins to move uh, and do some mighty things, amen. The Bible said He was a praying. Uh, when I think about the Lord Jesus, uh, I think about that ever station in His life, uh, he was a praying. Amen. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible tells us in Luke that when he was baptized, he was praying. He was praying when he was baptized. The Bible tells us that, that he was praying when he fed the multitude. He took the bread. He broke it. He prayed. Amen. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us that he had been uh, praying and fasting when he met the devil. Amen. The Bible tells us about the Lord Jesus uh, that everything he did, he was praying. Uh, before he chose those 12 disciples, uh, he prayed all night long before he made that decision. Uh, uh, how much did you pray before you made uh, those decisions you made this week? You see, the Lord chose us that we need prayer every way. Uh, you know what he was doing when he died on the cross? Uh, he was praying, the Bible said. Uh, I mean, every place you go, He is praying. So we can learn by His example that He personally spent His life in prayer. We could say, Brother Caleb, He was careful for nothing, but in everything He prayed. We could say in our kind of a day, 
uh, we're not careful about anything. We don't uh, pray about anything much, uh, and that's why we make the messes we make and get in the messes we get in. It's because that we don't learn about prayer. Uh, how much have you prayed this week? I wonder. How much have you prayed this week about your own life, personal problems, uh, uh, your church, your friends, uh, uh, your health, whatever it might be. Uh, uh, Jesus was a man of prayer. Amen. Uh, you see, we can learn by His example that we need to learn to pray. Uh, number two, we can learn that He had an exact place He prayed. Uh, amen. Some of y'all just pray wherever you're at. Uh, when you got a need. Jesus, the Bible said here in this text, praying in a certain place. He had a certain place he prayed. You got one? Need to have one. If we're going to follow the example of the Lord, the Bible said that he was praying in a certain place. And the Bible said when Judas came to arrest Jesus... Uh, when Judas came to arrest him, he knew where he was. Why? Because John said that Judas knew the place because Jesus oftentimes resorted hither. Uh, isn't, isn't that great? I mean, here was a man that had such a place of prayer that they knew if they wanted to find Jesus that they would find him there at that particular place because he would be there praying. Amen. Jesus said, when you enter into the closet, He said, shut the door. In other words, you need to have a regular place to pray. Jesus did. Amen. If you don't have a regular place to pray and a regular time to pray, you won't get very much praying done. Uh, one deacon said years ago, he's, uh, he made this statement. I was talking to him. Not a deacon here, but a deacon somewhere else. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, I never just pray. I, I never pray at just at like 10 o'clock or, or, uh, or at 3 o'clock or at 6 o'clock. I never just pray. He said, I only pray when I'm moved by the Spirit of God. I said, you don't do much praying, do you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, you don't always feel like doing anything. And you notice that, and you? Yeah. And the older you get, you'll feel less about like doing anything. And if you don't have a set time and a place, you won't never get much praying done. The Bible said that Jesus prayed for extended periods of time. Amen. He didn't pray just as getting ready to go to sleep. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep, and the next thing you know, you was asleep, and the next morning you hadn't done any praying at all. No, Jesus prayed extended periods of prayer. Somebody said it don't matter how long you pray. Well, Jesus said it did. Amen. Jesus came back from the garden and He said, what, could you not watch with me one hour? He prayed an hour. Then He went back in there again. He may have wound up praying three hours. I don't know. Now, He didn't always pray that long. I mean, He's got cow resting upon his shoulders he's got the sins of the world upon his shoulders uh, you know when you and I when we usually spend the longest time in prayer when we got the burdens and the trials uh, uh, that are pressing upon us amen and so he prayed for extended periods of time uh, he prayed amen 
And uh, I think we can learn from that. I think we need to grow in our not only our Bible knowledge, our Bible time, but we need to grow in our prayer time. Amen. I always try to teach uh, young men uh, that got called to preach here. And I was over at Jeff Wells' is preaching in revival not long ago, and Jeff blessed my heart. And he got up there and he was introducing me and he said, I, I can remember some things Brother Rick told me as a young preacher when I was going to be leaving the church. And I said, Brother Rick, is there anything you can tell me? And he said, I remember what he said. Uh, he said, pray a lot. He said, because the man that prays has got the advantage because most people don't. Amen. And brother, if you don't get nothing else I say this morning, you better get that. Uh, the person that prays and is prayed up... Uh, he has the advantage because he's already prayed and asked God's help. Uh, most people wait till the devil comes and stomp them into the ground uh, uh, before they ever ask God to help them. Amen. Uh, Jesus could learn us about prayer. Now let me tell you something else. In Mark 1 and 17, them, uh, Peter, James, John, or, or uh, James and John are down there in the boat and uh, Zebedee's boys and they're down there in the boat and Jesus comes by. And He comes by, and oh, how powerful His words must have been. Amen. He comes by, and it'd be like Him coming by your place of work where you work at. And Jesus come by, and He said, Come and follow Me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Why? Normally, you know, they would have said, Well, we got a family we got to take care of. We got this business. We'll lose our job. But the Bible said they dropped their nets and they followed Him. How powerful a personality that He must have had, amen, that they'd just drop everything and follow Him. And He said, if you'll follow Me, I'll make you become fishers of men. We could learn about prayer. If anybody's interested, study the prayer life of Jesus. We could learn about personal work. Amen. Jesus is the master soul winner. Amen. I've read about some great soul winners. Amen. Jack Hiles was a was a great soul winner, no doubt. And Carl uh, Carl Hatch, a great soul winner. I've known some folks that I mean they they could win people to God, but most of us ain't that way. But Jesus was the master soul winner. Amen. Uh, if you want to know about how to do personal work, don't take uh, somebody's course. Read your Bible and read how Jesus done uh, personal work. Amen. Uh, I'll tell you one of the first things that He told them was the first thing you need uh, if you're going to do any personal work. The first thing you need is you need some vision. Amen. Uh, uh, you remember when Jesus, He went over to the well uh, and sat on the well. He's going to do some personal work with a lady there. And the Bible said the disciples, I, every one of them must have been Baptist because the Bible said they all went into town. What did they do? Try and find something to eat. Amen. Try and find something to eat. And Jesus, Jesus wins that woman to Himself there in John 4. And he tells us that we're never going to win anybody until we have a vision. Because when they come back from 
their hamburgers and hot dogs and they come back and Jesus is winning this woman uh, to himself at the well and they marveled because he, he hadn't asked him had anything to eat. He said, I've got meat to eat that you don't know nothing about. And he said, the fields are white unto harvest. He said, look out because the fields are white unto harvest. But he said, the labors are few. He said, don't say there's four months and then we'll go out there and do it. He said, it's ready right now. Jesus was saying there's a vision. He had a vision of lost people. You and I need a vision because the Bible said where there is no vision, people perish. We don't have no vision of people dying lost and people going to hell. Uh, then people are going to perish. And I believe a lot, of, a lot of God's people have lost their vision. They don't even see people as lost. They, uh, they don't even have a, a vision of people that are lost and going to hell. Amen. Uh, but most of the world is. The Bible said when He saw the multitude, He was moved with compassion. Jesus could learn us something about personal work. Not only that we need a vision, but He's telling us that we need to understand the variety. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. A lot of different kinds of fish. Bass, catfish, crappie, bluegill, carp, just to name a few around here. There's all different kinds of variety of fish. And Jesus teaches us about variety in the sense that what catches one won't catch another. Now you might snag a catfish on a mimp spinner, but it ain't likely they're going to hit it very often. And uh, you ain't going to catch a carp on what you'd catch a something else on. I have to put some corn on a hook or a dough ball. Or uh, I remember we went one time fishing and we bought some uh, stink bait. You say, why'd they call it that? I found out when I opened it. Amen. We couldn't even stay in the fishing places smelling so bad we had to leave. Amen. I wouldn't want to eat anything that eat that anyway. But that's what it'd take to catch that. You see, there's different varieties. Uh, uh, we want to package it all up and make everybody fall in the same package, you see. Uh, Romans 10, I love Romans 10. I've used Romans 10s. I've I've been led of the Lord to lead some people in Romans 10. But everybody's not a Roman 10 person. Amen. We find out when Jesus went down there to deal with that woman at the well, He talked to her about the fact that she had a lot of live-in husbands. Amen. And she was living with a man now. You see what to do? He dealt with her sin. He dealt with her problem. Amen. But when he went over there to Nicodemus, he didn't even ask him if he was married. Uh, uh, he didn't care if he was married. Uh, uh, he told him, you got to be born again. Amen. Uh, uh, you see, Nicodemus was religiously lost. His problem wasn't a bunch of live-in uh, partners. His problem was that he was religiously lost. Uh, and Jesus dealt with him right there. That rich young ruler, he didn't have a bunch of marital problems and he wasn't religiously lost. He wasn't no teacher or anything like that, like Nicodemus was. Uh, but Jesus dealt with him on his riches. Uh, 
Uh, he said, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. He put his finger on his problem, amen. Uh, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, He knows just where to put His finger on your problem. Amen. Uh, if the preacher's following the Lord, people say, hey, Brother Rick, my wife, I remember Eddie Wade, Eddie's always giving his testimony. Brother Eddie said, I thought his wife told him all about me. And I said, she did. Amen. But he said, I felt like you was preaching right at me. I preached one time and a guy from work came. And he came to hear me preach. I just preached it. And after it's all over, he went to back to work the next day and he told everybody, I ain't going back to hear him no more. He said, he just picked out my sins and he just preached on me. I said, man, I could have preached anywhere in the Bible and it hit you the way you're living. Amen. I, I, I want you to know it ain't me. It's God that knows how to put his finger on poor people's living. It ain't me. Well, I wouldn't give you 15 cents for a preacher that was scared of the deacons, scared of the women in the church. I wouldn't give you 15 cents for a preacher that was afraid to say what God put on his heart. Amen. I, I want you to know you say you'll make people mad. I'd rather you be mad at me than him. Amen. Uh, uh, amen. I'm talking about that he learns us about personal work. He learns us a vision. He learns us there's a variety of dealing with people. It's like little children. You can't deal with them like you do older people. You have to deal with them different. And uh, it's, uh, I was talking to Brother Jeff this week. He called me. He's been having Bible school. He's wanting to know about how to deal with young people. I said, you deal with them the same way you do others in the sense that you give them the gospel. You tell them what getting saved is, what the Bible says about getting saved and if, they're, if God's in it and God's dealing with them, well, that's what it takes for them to get saved too. But you have to get it down on a level where that sometimes they can understand. Amen. The Bible doesn't say that little children have to become adults to get saved. The Bible said that adults have got to become little children to get saved. He said, except you become as little children, you'll in no wise enter in. good thing about a child is they'll believe God. They'll believe God. They won't argue with you and try to get you off track and ask you a thousand other questions. There was a, we see about the, the variation. But then I think about the victory. You say, what do you mean? He didn't win them all. He didn't always have the victory. He didn't win that young man. The Bible said that young man went away sorrowful. Jesus, the master soul winner, he didn't win him. So why do we think we're going to win them all? I don't know how it is with a real, real fisherman like Brother Mike. Some of these guys that's real fishing, but I know how it is with me. When I go fishing, I lose more than I catch. That's pretty much the way it is out there soul winning. Knocking on doors. Hey, there's more of them get away than what you are able to hook and snag, amen. But do you know what? 
that even if you deal with them and you give them the gospel and you give them the truth and you're plain and straight with them, even if they don't get saved, you still got victory because you did what you're supposed to do. Amen. We don't go door knocking because we have hundreds of people come to church or even 50 or even 30. We don't go door knocking for that reason. Uh, we go door knocking because the Bible tells us to go door knocking. Amen. Uh, we don't try to keep the score. We let Him keep the score. The Bible says we could learn about personal work. We could learn about prayer. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We can learn about pride. Amen. You see, Jesus was the most humble man that ever walked upon this planet. Yet he had the most to be proud of. Of anybody that ever walked on this planet. He was God's Son. He lived a perfect life. He had perfect love. I mean, if anybody, he had the knowledge of everything. He is the Word. If anybody had a reason to be proud, it was Jesus Christ. Yet the Bible said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made of himself no reputation, took upon himself the form of a, of a man, being made in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Bible said he humbled himself as a man. You say, you explain it, you explain it. All I know is the Bible said he humbled himself. All I know is there was not one ounce of pride in Jesus Christ. Not one. We can learn about pride from Jesus. One of the big problems always has been, Brother Mike uh, touched on it this morning in his uh, great lesson, but one of the uh, problems that man has always had is self-righteousness and pride. Amen. Uh, that's our problem. That's why we can't have good services sometimes. That's why people won't get saved sometimes. That's why people won't step out and do what God's called them to do. It has to do with pride. Amen. But Jesus can learn us about pride. Jesus had more to be proud about than anybody and we have less to be proud about than anybody. And yet we have to deal with pride. Amen. Has to be dealt with. You see, the devil, that's where it comes from. The devil. The Bible says of the devil in Job 41 34, it said of the devil, he is king over all the children of pride. There's your king. If you got pride, He's the king of all. I mean, you can't get much prouder than this. I, I will exalt my end uh, of the heavens, he said. I will be like God. You can't get no prouder than that. You want to you see it in our age? He's sitting in the temple 
declaring He is God. That's pride. We, we, we teach it. We, we tell our children, you know, little chant, we're number one, we're number one. No, you're not number one. You're about 10 billion. Hey, man. Yeah. We, we feed on that pride, you know. Gay pride day. My Lord. I wouldn't be proud about that. I'd be hiding somewhere. You should have stayed in the closet and never come out. Amen. But everything's, everything's about pride. No, not in God's eyes. Everything's about humility. The humblest person always gets the greatest blessing. You see, the devil is where pride comes from. And if you and I have got it, that's where it comes from. But there's a danger. The Bible said pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before the fall. Amen. First Timothy 3, we have them qualifications for a, a minister. Of course, a lot of people think there's just one in there. Husband and one wife. But they just roll right along and they just roll right over uh, all the others. I'll tell you the I'll tell you if you want to pastor a church, I'm gonna tell you what the number one qualification is. Uh, be slow to anger. Amen. You say why? Get you back to church. It won't take you long to find out why. Amen. Pride goeth before destruction. I remember as a young preacher, and that's where a great danger is in that same chapter, it talks about a, a novice. And it says not to be lifted up. I wish somebody showed me that. Why? Well, after my first sermon, I, I thought Billy Graham was he's done. I was going to be the next great evangelist. Amen. I mean, I preached my first sermon and I thought, man... I've got the mantle of Billy Sunday. And I was so dumb and so full of pride and so green that if you'd stuck me in the ground, I would have tuck off blooming. But God blessed me so much on my first sermon that stupid me called my pastor when I got home. I didn't even wait till the next day. I called my pastor when I got home and I said, Pastor, I said, can I preach again next Sunday night? There was a dead silence on the other end and I knew I'd made a tragic mistake. And from that Sunday night until the next Sunday night, every page in my Bible looked like that. I couldn't get a hold of nothing. So what'd you do? Nothing. I got up there and tried to preach and and I made such a mess that I kept walking around the pulpit like this, looking down at my shoes, and, and, and I just kept walking around and around and around. And I know now, looking back, them people was going. But when I got through preaching, 
they started coming out, and bless their hearts, they meant well, but they started coming out, shaking my hand, and patting me on the back, and knew what, and telling me what a wonderful job I knew, and I knew every one of them was a bald-faced liar. <laughs> Except the preacher's wife. Now, Miss Peggy, she, she'd tell you the way it was. If you like a preacher, and tell you the way it is. She was a preacher's wife, and tell you the way it was. He come over and got to me, and I was ready for one more great job, good job, son. She got to me, and I went to get her hand. She just pushed it out of the way. She said, the next time you preach, she said, don't look down at your shoes the whole time. Don't walk around the whole time. I want you to look me in the eye the next time you preach. I said, God, that's the meanest woman God ever let live on this earth. But you know what? She helped me. Amen. You say, why? Because the truth always helps you. Amen. Uh, she, if my head was this big when she got done, it was like one of them shrunken skulls that you've seen about. Amen. But there's a danger. There's a danger in pride. Stay humble or you'll stumble. Amen. I had a humbling thought the other day. People say, oh, Brother Rick, you're a preacher. It's a great thing. Great to be a preacher. Well, it is a great thing. But there's only like 20 zillion of us. Amen. You know what, what are you saying? I'm just one among a zillion others, amen. But I'm glad I'm one. I'm not at the front of the line, but I'm glad I'm in the line. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we can learn about humbleness, pride. We have this demonstration. And I'm skipping, going there for sake of time. But in John 13, boy, if you want a picture of humility... Jesus, after supper, he girded himself with a towel. And he began to wash their feet. You say, why did he do it after supper? Because the custom of that day, somebody should have done washed his before they ever got that far. When you come to the house and knock on the door like today, we say, you want a cup of coffee? You want some tea? But when we come... When, when back that day, when you knocked on the door and you come in, they'd say, let me get a towel and wash your feet. Because you had sandals or no shoes and you'd been walking in dirt all the way over there. But nobody was willing to be a servant. I can just hear them. I'm not washing their stinking feet. Brother Jimmy Hood was preaching up in Columbus, Ohio. And he was preaching a classic, rough Jimmy Hood message. And he was talking about his wife. He said, my wife. And he told the truth. He said, when I come in, I get down in the recliner and she takes my shoes and socks off. He said, she brings me a glass of iced tea and sets it on the table beside me. Boy, you could feel it. When he got through preaching that day, and that's just the nice part of the message. When he got through preaching that day, we all went to eat. 
and we come back for the evening session, and I'm the only one I come in, and I come in, there's a, there's a lady sitting there. I don't mean to be unkind, but a huge lady. She was sitting there, and I come by her, and she said, Hey! So are you talking to me? She said, Yeah. She said, I ain't washing no man's stinking feet. I said, Jimmy preached that. Talk to him. <laughs> Amen. See, pride, pride, pride. Uh, the Lord teaches us to get rid of that. He says, here's what you ought to do. Be a servant. Be willing to wash anybody's feet. Be willing to do the most humblest, lowly job if you want to be exalted. Let me hurry up here. I'll just throw these other two in. We can learn about pressing on. Luke 9.51, he's headed to Calvary. And he said he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Think about this with me real quick. Can you imagine? I know what opposition I face. Just trying to pastor a little Baptist church. Can you imagine the opposition he faced? Every day. You're facing opposition trying to teach a little class of three or four people. Opposition, whatever you're doing. Can you imagine the opposition that Jesus faced every day? He can teach us something about pressing on. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. You see it? The Bible says in the, we're living in a day when it don't take nothing to stop anybody. Nothing. You see, we're on the verge of a great falling away and some of y'all will be a part of it. You say, why? Don't take nothing to stop you. You don't judge a man's faith by what it takes to start him. You judge his faith by what it takes to stop him. And the Bible said in Proverbs 24 and 10, uh, the Bible said there, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Well, then it must be my strength. Because his strength ain't small. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But you see, he had a personal determination. I'm going through. I'm going through. I'll pay the price. Whatever others do. Living this world with his face in my view. I have started in Jesus and I'm going through. I'd rather walk with Jesus alone. Hallowed for my pillow like old Jacob a stone. Living each moment with His face in my view. I've started in Jesus and I'm going through. Amen. 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 You say, what are you saying? We need some determination to go. We need some prayer submission. You know what he said? Not my will, but thine be done. 
thine be done. Prophetic outlook. The joy. What was it that, that made him pass on? Why did he keep going? The joy that was set before him. You better have something out before you that's going to keep you pressing on, going on for God. Amen. Amen. I could preach a lot there, but I won't. Lastly, John 8 and 28, 29, what a statement. Talking about learning about Jesus. He said, I do always those things that please Him. Ooh. We can learn something about pleasing the Father. I wish I could say that, but I can't say that. Uh, but He said, I always do those things which please Him. Amen. You say, what did He do? He, he done always those things that pleased the Father. He obeyed. Amen. He did what God told Him to do. Is that what He did? You pray about things? You pray about matters like going to church or things like that? Do you, before you make your decision, do you say, Lord, do you want me to go today? I mean, we're just preaching this morning. He obeyed. He done always those things that pleased the Father. Now, let me knock it home with this and I'm done. Romans 15 and 3, He said, For even Christ pleased not Himself. Let that sink in. Even Christ pleased not Himself. How do I please the Father? I obey the Father. How do I please the Father? I don't do what I want to do. I do what He wants me to do. That's how you please the Father. You think Jesus wanted to go to Calvary? No, the man part didn't. No, sir. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, listen to Him praying. Father, not my will, but Thine be done. If there's any other way. You say, why'd He go? He's wanting to please the Father. He ain't doing what pleases Him. We're going to have an invitation here real shortly. Are you going to do what pleases Him or are you going to do what pleases you? Say, so what do you mean? Well, if the Lord says go to the altar, like they did this morning, they pleased the Lord. The Lord said go to the altar. She gathered the family up and brought them down to the altar. I believe God's pleased with that this morning. Amen. The Lord wants you to be saved this morning. Not willing to any perish, but all to come to repentance. Christ died for all. If you come unto Him, He'll in no wise turn you away. God wants you saved. Well, He's not going to be pleased if you go out that door and you say, I don't want to get saved. Do the things that please Him. Not the things that, that please you. You got sin in your life? You say, I'm mad this morning. You get mad about something like this? Man, you little sissy thing. <laughs> Grow up. Amen. I mean, get where you can take some preaching. I'm not asking you to do it. Just get where you can take it. Amen. I'm not bringing a bunch of 
preachers in here that tiptoe around everything. I bring men in here that can preach. Amen. You say, why? Because it pleased God by the foolishness of tiptoeing around. No, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Amen. Well, listen to this verse. I'm done. Pen player song. Come on. Romans 15.3 I want you to let this get in. Maybe even turn there and circle it and mark it. For even Christ pleased not Himself. Even Christ pleased not Himself. What did He do? He did that please God. What are you going to do this morning? You're going to please yourself? We can learn from Christ. Learn about prayer. Learn about personal work. Learn about pride. We can learn about uh, we can learn about the Lord. We can learn about pressing forward, folks. These are hard times. And if you don't if you don't gird up the loins of your mind, you're not going to make it. You're going to drop out. You're going to be in that great number of falling away. You've got to gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end. Pleasing God. Well, obey Him this morning. You please Him. Father, thank you this morning for the Word of God. Thank you for these folks.